If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand as we read Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. And just as a reminder, um, after I read these words, um, uh, I believe what, what's, what's happening here is this is God's word. And so I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord. And if you agree with me that this is the word of the Lord, after I say that, I want to invite you to say, thanks be to God. Revelation chapter one and verses one through eight, I want you to listen, especially for who this book Revelation is revealing. And. Also, listen especially to what Revelation offers to you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth to him who loves us. And has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom. Priests to his God and father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold. He is coming with the clouds. And. Every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I was really grateful um, when I was turning 21 that uh, the girl who I desperately wanted to marry um, who wasn't yet convinced that she wanted to marry me, uh, agreed that because it was such a special birthday, she would meet with me for lunch and 
I had such high hopes, and she brought a brought a uh, a present, and and I was um, thankful to get it, and I uh, opened up this this present, and it was a book. It was a book. <laughs> I had hopes for something else. Um, I wasn't too big a reader back then. Um, but what I couldn't understand at that moment, uh, something that I realized only and appreciated later was she, she gave me this book that was then popular and it was, um, a, a book about the book of Revelation. And she did this because now Kelly Bishop, even from the moment that she was a Christian, um, she loved non-Christians, and I was not a Christian. And she was subtly hinting to me in hopes that I would read this, that if I didn't change things about my life, then I would be left behind. Well, later that year, I'm sure with the prayers of my now wife, um, 23 years ago this week, Christ saved me. Uh, but I, I will say that the book of Revelation is, is still intimidating uh, to me. And that's no knock against uh, the gift of my sweet wife. That book um, left me confused <laughs> about how to uh, understand this. And I, I wonder, how are you feeling about the book of Revelation? Uh, many of you may be confused about this book because you've never heard it um, faithfully preached from beginning uh, to end. That may not be you. Maybe uh, you're someone who's not confused. You, you've always been curious about this book. And so you've gone to lots and lots of studies and you've got the charts in your bedroom and the flannel graphs or whatever to, to prove just how much you know uh, about the book of Revelation. Well, today we're coming just to the intro of a wild book, uh, a wonderful book. Uh, and these beginning verses, I think, are going to start to cut through uh, the confusion surrounding the book and will give us God's intention in these few verses for the whole book. You can see it there in, in verse 3. This is a book. When you think of the book of Revelation, from verse 3, you should know from the very introduction, it is a book that is meant to bless us. And in these first few verses, we also learn not only that what its purpose is to bless us, but also that we're given the, the interpretive key that, that cuts through all of our questions. That, that, that we're told from the very beginning what this book is about. And, and, and maybe to our surprise, I hope not to our disappointment, we learn that this book is not ultimately about giving us the details about the Antichrist. Or promising to us that we're not going to have to go through suffering. It's not mainly about a bunch of weird creatures. Revelation is focused on Jesus Christ. 
So the title of the sermon comes right out of the, the first verse, which is the revelation of Christ. But let me let me put the sermon to you in a sentence. When Christ comes into view. Blessings come to. That's what these first eight verses teach us when Christ comes into view, blessing comes to. You need to know that as we start this months-long journey through this book. This truth. I wonder who here wants to be blessed. Amen. I, I wonder if I can get an amen from anyone here who wants to see Christ more clearly than you currently see Him. Amen. Well, this book is from God to you for these reasons. We're going to walk through the book in, or this, this passage in two sections. We're going to see that the book of Revelation is a prophecy. And secondly, it is a letter. It's a prophecy and it's a letter. So point number one. Revelation is a prophecy of what is to come. You see that in verses one through three. Revelation, according to verse one, is God bringing into view, it says, things that must soon take place. Now, this book was written more than 19 centuries ago. So you may be wondering, what do you mean by soon? I mean, not everything that is recorded in this book has yet happened. Should we even listen to this so-called book of God? If, if the, the writer God can't even make happen, what he says is going to happen soon. Now we're going to see just how accurate God's prophecies are. But for now, let me just say, Soon is a reference to God's view of time. And, and, and God is like a proud father. This is what I mean by that. He's like a proud father who seems to count time, the passing of time, uh, as, as marking the accomplishments of his beloved son. He, he, when he says soon, these things are soon going to come to pass. It's as if he's saying, my boy has already done everything I sent him to do, except for one more thing. And that's to come back. And that's going to happen soon in the sense that there's not much more that needs to happen. Revelation is about things that must soon take place concerning Christ and affecting those who follow Christ. So what Redeemer Church is going to walk through in the coming months, according to verses one through two, look there. What we're going to walk through comes to us from God and then it's passed to Jesus. You see that it's the revelation of Jesus, which God gave him. And then, and then Jesus 
gives this to an angel and, and then an angel then delivered this to an apostle, John. This prophecy of what's to come and all of it, according to these verses, is a testimony of Jesus Christ to us. It is meant to put Christ into our view, but also for blessings then to come to us. Now, I wonder how you're doing in the blessing department. I feel like that's kind of a strange question to ask, maybe especially on a Sunday morning. Are you all feeling just super blessed? On Sunday mornings at church, did you not face difficulty? Are you not really acquainted with how hard life can be? I'm asking, are you happy? Are you happy? And and, and what I want you to consider is what is it that makes you happy? Or, or what is it that you would like to happen that would make you happy and turn you away from sadness? I've had a lot of happiness, uh, lately, uh, you know, you know, traveling with my family all those weeks. Uh, we had a lot of fun together. Uh, we've come home to uh, a fullness of life, a busyness with, with our, our particular family that, that makes me happy. But I can also say there are a lot of hard things in our life right now. Things that aren't so happy. Things in my extended family. Things even in ministry that don't exactly make me happy. Well, that word happy is the word blessed there in verse 3. Let me read that again. Happy is the one. Who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and happy are those who hear and who keep what is written in it for the time is near. What this is telling us is God can give us a kind of happiness that has actually nothing to do with how our life seems to be going, whether our life feels happy or not. Blessed is the one who reads. Blessed are those who hear the revelation of Christ. So this prophecy of what's to come. I want you to understand. Don't misunderstand verse three. It's not promising that you're going to miss all the hard stuff whenever this world goes to pot. That's not what you're going to hear if we go through this book carefully. But it is a promise to you, a promise from God that you will be blessed even when the world goes to pot. The question is, do you know where to look to get blessing? Are you looking and searching and working to get happiness in the right place? Blessing is especially about who you look at. Jesus Christ. That's who God is going to give us to bless us. But but blessing is also not just about who, but where. I do want you to see this very 
clearly. Blessing is where revelation is read and heard. You see that? I mean, it's just a softball for this pastor. Wants to encourage church attendance, at least over the coming months. It says here that when this book is read aloud, like I just did, blessing is there to the one who reads it aloud. Now, if it's read aloud, that implies an audience. It just means very plainly that God's blessing is in the church where the revelation of Christ is preached. And so if you want to be blessed, understand that Christ will come into view for you as you come to Redeemer Church every Sunday for the next few months. You can schedule a blessing. You know, like those grocery pickups or whatever. God is saying, blessing will come as Christ comes to view, even, even when those Sundays life is hard or even, even when it's happy. Pick up your blessing. But don't you, you need to understand you can't just come curious. Don't, don't just be here because you're curious about the book of Revelation because it says blessed are those who hear and who keep what's written in it. To get the blessing that you are definitely going to get, you have to keep what's revealed. This is one of the reasons why I'm titling the whole series in, in, of the book of Revelation, Hold On. Hold On. It's another translation for the word keep there in verse 3. You've got to hold on to it. I'm going to be here. I'm signing up. For all the blessing. Will you be here? When Christ comes into view. The book of Revelation is a prophecy. But it's also a letter. That's point number two. It's also a letter. Before Christ comes. Verses four through eight. This is a letter before Christ comes. Before the end. Like, like before that last thing that Christ is going to do. Before he comes back. God is desiring to bring his son into our view through a letter. I mean, if you look in verse 4, doesn't this read just like the other letters that we're more familiar with from the New Testament? It says... The author of the letter, it tells us who the letter is written to, even the, the grace and peace blessing that starts the New Testament letters are, are, are there. The revelation of Christ is about things that you, if you're a follower of Christ, are going to experience. And, and, and the revelation of Christ is about the blessings that you, if you're a believer in Christ, are still waiting to experience. But this is a letter that was not written first to you or to me. It was written first to seven local churches in Asia, what would be currently Turkey. Now, 
you're going to need to know as we go through this book that numbers, numbers, figures mean more to God, especially in Revelation, than they do on the surface to us. The number seven has always represented completion to God ever since he completed this world in seven days. So, for example, you see that that number in verse four as uh, as well, it, when, it, when it says that the letter is written by the seven angels who are before the throne of God. The that is a reference to the the seven spirits is not seven different angels, but instead it is the complete spirit. It's complete spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's what seven spirits refers to. And in the same way, whenever he says that this is written to seven churches, it's not just to the believers in John's day, though it's first to them. It is to the complete church. And that's good news. Because we're not just reading some ancient letter that mattered to them and it doesn't to us. He's writing to us when he writes this book and to every other believer until Christ comes back. So what that means is revelation. The revelation of Christ is a letter to bless God's people. And God's people don't always feel I don't know if I'm alone here and not strutting up into this pulpit today. I'm struggling up into this pulpit. In fact, the, the book of Revelation has always been read by Christians who were persecuted and pressured. That's who this book is for. When it was written, faithfulness to Christ resulted in death for some. For others, they they faced economic hardship for being faithful to the one God. All of them would have experienced strain with their family and friends who did not believe in the King of Kings. If you're here this morning, you're a believer. I wonder if that is something you can relate to. Maybe not the threat of death. Not yet. But have you not experienced people who don't know God? Calling you bigot, self-righteous, holier than thou, high and mighty. The very people who we love and we're trying to care for, calling them to know the God who made them. And this isn't just something that adults face, children. If you mean to follow Jesus Christ, This is what you will experience as well. Even this week as you go to school and not just to some schools, even the private school, 
even the homeschool co-op. If you would believe in Jesus, that is going to make you different from the people who you are around. And, and it may be something as simple as them finding something funny and making jokes that you know you shouldn't laugh at. Or, or, or they, they busy themselves with fun activities that you know your Savior says is not actually good for you. If you would seek to honor the Lord Jesus in this world, it will mean that you are not liked, you are not accepted, you are mistreated by people, and that is hard. Here in the Bible Belt, the Bible Belt, the Christian capital of the United States of America, there's a pressure to tone down our faith. And that pressure comes from religious people, from people in the pews who confess the same God. If you believe the Bible, if you will take God at his word here, if you will seek to organize your Christ around the, or organize your life around the king of heaven and earth, then they're going to call you a zealot. There's a pressure even here not to be fully faithful to Jesus Christ. Even while I was away, I was checked out of ministry and I was still getting messages about things that people in the town were saying about me and about this church. These kinds of things. And these pressures they will numb your appreciation for blessing. They, they can, if you're faithful to Christ in this world, you will face difficulties and it will blur your view of Christ. And God knows that there are times for faithful, mature believers where our own Savior feels very far away at times where he seems very unconcerned about us. And so we have the revelation of Christ that comes to us from the triune God. You see him there in verse four, who him who is and who was and who is to come. That's the Father. Then, then the Holy Spirit is mentioned. But then from verses 5 and following, look who comes into focus. It is God's Son, the second person of the Trinity, who we are to fix our eyes on because God knows that we especially need to see Him. There's a lesson here for us. The blessing comes to those who view Him. And so in verses 5 and 6, we're given these Two triplets, you could say. Look there in verses 5 and 6. Uh, uh, we, we get this first set of kind of triplet, these three revelations of Christ. And then, and then there's this second triplet or, or three blessings that Christ brings to us because he knows who he's writing to. He knows that these people are struggling and he wants to, he wants them and he wants us to keep these things especially in view. The first Triplet, the revelations of Christ. Christ was, beloved, first of all, the faithful witness. 
Oh, you're not the first one who faced the ungodly. He was. Powerful, his own people. He faced and he was faithful to the end. True to God, true in all of his word, in all of his actions. And so they martyred. That's what witness means. They martyred. They killed him on a cross. And then secondly, he's not just the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead. Oh, they killed him. But they're not the only ones with power. You need to remember this. God raised his son. And he will never die again. This is something, this is something you need to hold on to your view if you're going to be faithful to the Lord in this world. Christ is not the only faithful one who this world is going to kill. And he's not the only faithful one who God is going to raise. He was the firstborn of the dead. And beloved, if he will raise us from the worst that this world can possibly do to those who are faithful to him. Don't you trust him to make every wrong right? Everything you do because you're faithful, he will make right. He is the faithful witness. He is the firstborn of the dead, but he's also the ruler of kings on earth. It is not just family or, or employees or, or a community that opposes God's people. It's politicians. It's systems of power. Well, beloved, just keep this in mind. Christ rules over them. And he will repay them too. Let me sum this first triplet up. Christ comes into our view as the one who is rejected by the powerful. Raised by God. And now he rules over everyone more powerful than us. That. First triplet sets our sights on Christ and his relationship to this world that we live in. But the second one brings into view the blessings. Some of these blessings that we've been talking about generally, it brings specific blessings that Christ is going to bring to his people. Let me, if you're looking at the rest of verses five and six, let me reword those uh, terms for you. Why don't you hold on to this, these blessings. Christ sets his love on those who struggle. Christ sacrificed himself for slaves and Christ shares his standing with his saints. So when you experience hate the way that everyone who's faithful to Christ is going to experience and and there are going to be times where you are going to feel totally alone. You need to hold on to this. He Loves us. This is amazing. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises will last for me. It doesn't matter how hard things get. It doesn't matter how far away he feels. He loves us. My savior loves me. So now he loves me. Always he loves me. He sets his love 
on those who struggle. But then maybe your struggle is not something that is outside of you. It's not attacks from other people or pressures you're feeling from powers outside of you. But the, the, the struggle you feel is a struggle inside of you. When you can't be happy because of your sin. Because if people knew. And you know God knows you keep on losing your temper with the people you love. You keep on instead of helping others to trust the Lord, you help tempt others to sin against him. You recognize you so often aren't trusting the Lord at all because you will not give up control of your life. Or you you feel pressure and, and rather than waiting upon the Lord, you're relieving that pressure with some sort of sexual outlet that God has outlawed. And you feel like someone who is completely powerless to stop yourself from the evils of your heart. And you know that you deserve God's judgment. Hold on to this. He not only sets his love on those who struggle, he sacrificed himself for slaves. For my life, he bled and died to set free by his blood. Those who are waiting for judgment. This is the Christ revelation presents to us. Coming into view for John, he then says he also shares his standing with all of his saints. He is the king of God. He is the priest of God. And now he's made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father, kings in this world, so close to him, he shares as if we're his own family. That's our standing. We represent the king as brothers and sisters of him and also priests. No matter what this, the way this world treats us, we are holy. We've got a high calling no matter what we're doing day to day. And we have access to God. The God of the universe is ours. That's who he's made us to be. And so John, reflecting on this, turns to praise. Will you not join him in verse 6, where he says, To him be glory, to Christ who's done all this for us, who is this for us. Be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. When Christ comes into view, blessings come too. Revelation brings Christ into view, but all we've been talking about is the view of our hearts. Not, not, not physically seeing him. But then verse seven comes and tells us of a time when every eye is going to see him. Verse seven. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. When Christ comes back, not everyone will be blessed. People all over the world are going to see him. And the people 
who did not believe in him will wail in sorrow and in terror. And if you're here and you are not devoted to Jesus Christ as the king, I want you to listen to me. There is a day soon. When Jesus Christ is going to prove that he wasn't ever like one of those other gods in this world. When he's going to do what what no one else can do. He'll appear in front of everyone at the same time. And if you remain in this condition. Or if you're a, a professing believer right now. In between now and then you fall away from being faithful to him. That's what we're going to see in chapters 2 and 3. A warning to believers who are lackadaisical with the Lord Jesus. If you fall away from him, if you're not devoted to him, you're going to wail. Oh God, no! There he is! It was all true! And I rejected him. I pierced him. He died for sinners and by sinners. And I would not believe in him. And he's back. He could have saved me. But no one can save me now. Let me tell you how accurate God's prophecies are. God promised that he would be pierced by his own people hundreds of years before the cross. That's why we read Zechariah chapter 12. That was this prophecy. That his own people would kill him. You want to know what God said that he was going to do if anyone recognized that it was their fault for killing his only son? He said he would forgive them. He said, if anyone mourns and takes responsibility, he died for sinners and he died At the hands of sinners. And it was my fault. I deserved his judgment. If anyone does that and asks for mercy. God will forgive you of everything. He would open up a fountain in that day of forgiveness. So listen. He hasn't come on the clouds yet. He may today. But he hasn't yet. If your guilt has come into view. If you will mourn. Over how you've neglected him and rejected him. And if you will believe that he is your only hope. No one can save you from him. But he can save you from him. His cross will satisfy. His judgment for your sins. And if you will believe in him. He'll save you and forgive you today. And when he comes on the clouds. You will not wail. You will say even so. Amen. He's come at last for me. That's the one I've longed to see. Do it now. Revelation in this, these opening verses is a prophecy and it's a letter. And, and the letter kind of ends, uh, you could say, or at least the signature for the letter comes in verse eight, where the author comes in and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. When Kelly was practicing as an eye doctor, 
she referred so many patients uh, to these LASIK surgeons that they they did the procedure for me for free. And the doctor, after it was all said and done, said that I was the worst case of astigmatism that he had ever fixed in his life. And uh, you see, astigmatism is where your eye is kind of misshapen. It's it's like a football. Football. I, I was not able to focus on on what was in my view. It, it would just become blurry. And I go into this procedure that I didn't pay a dime for. And uh, it was amazing. It fixed my eyes and I saw perfectly for about five years. And here I am needing correction again. I started squinting again. LASIK had reshaped my eyes so that I could see clearly. Understand that the book of Revelation is going to tell us that in order to be blessed by Christ, we have to see him clearly. The problem is we all squint when it comes to Christ, even those who know him and love him. We're all just squinting because the world blurs our vision of him. Struggles come in, stresses come in, our own sin comes in and makes us not see him clearly anymore. The revelation of Christ comes to us from this one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is mighty, who will who will outlast and overpower everyone in the world. And what he's going to be doing for us as we go through this book is he's going to be performing this kind of LASIK surgery for those who have spiritual astigmatism. If you want your sight reshaped, you need to be here as we look at him again and again and again. Because when Christ comes into view, blessings will come to you. Oh God, we pray that you would bless the reading and the hearing of this word. God, do more than this weak man could possibly do for these your people. You love them. And we pray that you would love them by giving them the clearest view of the Lord Jesus, who we need to see in all of his glory through this wonderful book. We pray that you would do it that we might say amen when he comes at last. Amen.